Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on Forward Radio. We were your community radio station, 106.5 FM, and we live stream at forwardradio.org. If you're not there now, we encourage you to go there to become a part of our community radio station. It's radio for the people, by the people, and you are the people we want behind the microphones and behind the scenes, helping keep us on the air and sustaining us as a community resource. Uh, it only takes $20 a day to support this station, so uh, go to FordRadio.org, click Donate Now. You could sponsor an entire day's broadcast, probably with that $20 bill you got in your pocket. Uh, and we also need your volunteer labor. Uh, all of our programs are produced by volunteers, and all of the business of the station is done by volunteers, so pr- click on Participate at FordRadio.org and become a part of what we do. Well, the spirit of community radio is also in the Center for Neighborhoods, and that's why I am so excited to finally get on my show the new executive director of the Center for Neighborhoods, Melanie Long, is joining us. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, we're going to give our listeners sort of an overview of, of what the center does, talk about some specific neighborhoods, things going on there. And we're really going to highlight the upcoming Neighborhood Summit, which if you haven't marked your calendars for yet, get get ready, get your pencil sharp and get ready to take action here and join us on Saturday, November 6th. I believe this may be its first time out at the Louisville Urban League's Sport and Learning Campus. They're at 3000 West Market Street. Uh, and we will talk about some of the details of the summit. Uh, but before we dive into the summit, because that's going to be a lot of what we talk about, I just want to give folks an overview about who you are and uh, and where you're coming to the center from. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Center for Neighborhoods. How'd you get into this work, Melanie? Well, I'm a planner by training. I've been a planner for over 20 years, an urban and regional city planner. Um, Sometimes when I say planning, people think that I plan weddings, which I did (laughs) for a long time. So it confused my father a lot over the the years. But um, anyway, and I took a little break from planning to go and get my doctorate at Clemson. I I was living in South Carolina then. Okay. So I started teaching. It's, I don't know how many details you want, but I started teaching and then I decided I wanted to be a missionary. So I went to Africa for almost a year, but I had wow. to come home because they started a, a civil war. And so then I'm trying to find myself again. Yeah. And I found myself here at Center for Neighborhoods in Louisville, and I really like it. It, it combines all the things that I really love to do. I am, um, a pl- as I said, a planner by um, training. My favorite part about planning is reaching out to the community and working with the citizens. So the engagement part is really um, something that I love to do. And so, you know, those two things together just kind of, I was like, oh, this must be the place I should be. So here I am. (laughs) Right, right. That's how life works sometimes, for sure. It is. (laughs) Oh, it's so good to have you here in Louisville, uh, working for the Center for Neighborhoods. For folks who aren't familiar with the center, you can learn more at centerforneighborhoods.org. Y'all do and have been doing some amazing work. How old is the center and and what do you all do? We are 49 years old. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's older than I thought. That's older than me. Shoot. We started in 1972. (laughs) We started as a a bunch of architects doing architectural design for citizens who could not get that done for themselves. You know, it's expensive to hire an architect to do remodeling and things like that. And at that time, there was this kind of movement for um, design centers. 
who did architecture work for neighborhoods. I see. So we built from there. And after that, we started, do, we, we noticed that, you know what, people need capacity so that they can fix their neighborhoods themselves. Now we got them fixing their houses, but how could they fix their neighborhoods? And so we started doing things like our Neighborhood Institute and our Neighborhood Summit, which are times that we do training. Our Neighborhood Institute is probably our premier um, mm-hmm. activity that we do. We do it twice a year. It's a 12-week training, and you come in there and you come out doing a project in your neighborhood that you might have always wanted to do but thought you couldn't do it. You thought it was too big for you to do, or you you didn't even know how to get started. So you go to the Neighborhood Institute. We teach you a lot of stuff about how to... I don't know. If nothing else, we give you the strength. Yeah. <laughs> Picking the behind to get going and do, um, you know, things in your neighborhood. And so, um, you know, we've had people come out of the Neighborhood Institute and become, a lot of them become Neighborhood Association presidents or just start working in a Neighborhood Association. I don't know how many people I know who say, oh, I never go to those meetings or whatever. Yeah. But going to those meetings is a good thing to do to find out what's going on in your neighborhood. And if you want your neighborhood to change, you need to, you know, be active in your neighborhood association. But also, you know, sometimes people run for office, run for council. So, you know, we have people just, I mean, it's kind of a start, like to say, oh, these are regular people doing these things. I don't, I think sometimes we think there's Superman or something who are doing (laughs) these things, but they're just our neighbors. And so that's what we want to do, build capacity. Then after that, we started doing some neighborhood plans, and we have done a few neighborhood plans in some of the neighborhoods. And the thing that is most important about our neighborhood plans is our neighborhood plans start with the residents. So the residents, you know, tell us what they want, and we do a lot of engagement. And so the plan is very resident-based. I was talking to someone, I can't even remember what it was, I say it so often, not too long ago, and I was saying that... um, don't take ideas to the community. Go to the community, find out what they want first, and then try and give them back their ideas in the way, you know, they may not know how to articulate it yeah. in the way that it needs to be articulated, but they know what they need, their neighborhoods need. So, you know, we often ask, don't come, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been to like a neighborhood meeting where they're doing a plan mm-hmm. and they come with all these pictures and ideas yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they say, and they say, pick one, two, or three. Well, that's not letting the neighborhood decide what they want. That's right. like putting planner ease on people. <laughs> and so we try not to do that. And as I just said, through all of that, our engagement is our number one, our really number one thing. We're most known for that. We know the neighbors and the neighbors know us. And we really work at building our trust with the neighbors. So. Yeah, that's so important. I mean... <laughs> The empowering people to take action in their communities. I mean, that's what sustainability is all about. And getting to know your neighbors is so important. And so I really value the work of the center because you offer these opportunities. I want to back up just slightly. When does the Neighborhood Institute happen in case people are interested? Is that a springtime thing? or We have it twice a year. Oh, and we have one in the spring and one in the fall. There's one going on right now and it ends the first week in November. So the next time it'll start, I think it's the first week in February, but stay on our website. Yep. Um, in January, you'll see the opening and you can come and it's actually free. And so you get oh, 12 it? weeks. Yes, you get 12 weeks of training for free. Oh, that's so come awesome. Come down. <laughs> yeah. And it's in the evenings, right? So working people can, it is in the evening. can do it. Yes. Yeah. It's usually... They come at five because we feed, you can even get free dinner. Heck yeah. 
And we go to local restaurants. And so you get to learn a lot about, and I, that's my favorite part because I get to learn about local restaurants. That's right. And, um, and then, so the actual class start in a six to eight. And I think one of the very first assignments you brought it up is that we want you to go out and meet some of your neighbors. And so you need to get comments from your neighbors. Yeah, I love it. Okay, people look for that in January, uh, 12-week training in the Neighborhood Institute. And you don't have to be Superman <laughs> to join. This is for everybody in the neighborhood uh, or people who are thinking about running for office. Like you said, like people can come from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of interests. And that's what makes it an exciting mix uh, to, to participate in. Uh, you are right. The mix is so important, too, because you get to meet all kinds of people. And it is not Leadership Louisville, but they kind of stick together like uh -huh. the Leadership Louisville classes do. And, you know, they know each other. And it's about 25 people. And you get to really know those 25 people. And you kind of stick together if you need help in the future. So. Oh, that is so cool. I love it. All right. Look for that, listeners. Uh, but let's talk, too, about community development. And, and community land trusts is something that I know the center has been interested in lately, especially in, in Smoketown and Russell neighborhoods. You want to tell people what a community land trust is and why it makes sense with what the center's interested in doing? Well, a community land trust at its base is just getting land and the community owns it and is responsible for it. And then they can do with it what they want. A lot of times we use it to keep the price of housing down mm -hmm. because if, we, if the community owns the land, then you can have a developer develop on it, but you can make rules about how the um, property can be sold. So the housing value can be kept at an affordable housing range because if you own the property. Sometimes, you can do something as simple as conserve the land hmm. so that you have green space in the neighborhood. So there's a wide range of things you can do with land that you have in a community land trust. What we're doing in Russell and Smoketown is trying to figure out what the neighbors want to do with their land. And um, the city has a lot of the city metro has a lot of properties throughout the metro area that um, they have received by different means, but mostly through foreclosure. And so, um, and they're willing to work with the community land trust to get those properties and to see what the community land trust wants to do with them. So that's what we're working on. Wow. And, and why Smoketown and Russell specifically? Why is that a good fit for them? Well, it's a good, well, two different things. <laughs> yep. So the first reason for Russell and Smoketown is when the uh, metro area put out the RFP, those were the places that responded and they won the RFP. So the city's working with those two neighborhoods to get the community land trust. And the second reason is because when we're working, we work with all the communities throughout the metro area, but we concentrate on the West End and South End mm -hmm. because they are neighborhoods that have been traditionally left behind for one reason or another. I mean, I won't give you the whole history. You probably know it better than I have only been here <laughs> two years. But, you know, the same thing has happened. I'm from Cleveland. The same thing yeah. has happened there and in many places. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm, I, I think community land trusts are far underutilized in our city and, and could really make a difference uh, in help building community control of, of land and with the affordable housing and everything else that we want in neighborhoods. So that is awesome. And I, and I hope that work spreads beyond uh, Smoketown and Russell, too. Uh, Parkland is another neighborhood that you all have been doing some great work in. Uh, t tell us about what's going on in Parkland for people who don't know. It is super exciting. <laughs> I hope I sound like I'm super excited because I am. Um, this started before I came. We have a program at Center for Neighborhoods called Better Block. 
Yeah. And that is a program where we go into the communities and we talk to them for a long time and it doesn't end up with a plan. It ends up with a real project. And so we talk to them to find out what they want to do. We go in two to three months before we have our big, better launch. And so the people in Parkland wanted to create this area. They used the um, central business district in the area, and they wanted that plaza to come back. And so we went in a little over two years ago, and we went in and did it, and it was fun. And, you know, we put things in. We striped this um, a crosswalk, and uh-huh. we put park benches in and did all these things. And they said, come back. We want to do some more things. <laughs> so we worked with their, um, they have a business district, um, business association there, Parkland Business Association. I think that's PBA. Yeah, PBA. And um, we're working with them and the plaza is going to be so cool. And the one of the, well, there's a bunch of nice parts. One nice part is that we're putting the park in Ooh. and so the kids can play and it's, it's going to be a really nice little park. And um, we have some tech the logical things where like the um pavement won't get too hot oh nice! i don't know how it works <laughs> <laughs> but it's some, special, it's some special pavement that doesn't get too hot and um anyway so we're putting i mean we're, not we're i don't want to even want to say I, can, I always say we because once a neighborhood gets started i feel like i'm part of that neighborhood i know but, yeah, um, yeah yeah <laughs> so um some businesses are reestablishing child care, a little um, gro- grocery store, nice. um, all kinds of things are coming there. So the businesses are coming back and we hope it's going to be a little cute little business district. It really is. Parkland is such a little special corner of the West End. I, I, it's There's something that feels different about that downtown business district and the history that is still there. And you can still sort of sense and the community garden is just so beautiful and productive. And it does it does seem like a, a nice place for a little renaissance to happen. And I'm so excited to see that going on. Uh, I'm so glad that you said that word. Yeah. I didn't have it. I didn't have that at the tip of my tongue. But that's exactly what it is. It's like a renaissance. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and you did a better block uh, on beach in Beachmont, too, on the south side which has also been lovely do you want to talk a little bit about that sure all these things happened before i came though uh-huh. but we're still working on that's one thing i want to say about center for neighborhoods we don't leave you so yeah, yeah. even though we did the better block for um beachmont four years ago we're still working in beachmont and so um we went there we did a better block um when we went there, there were a lot of vacant businesses, and mm-hmm. I think they're down to one vacancy now. Yeah. I'm not sure. It might be two, but and I think a business started, and then they left over COVID. COVID was yeah really hard. So, but I mean, it's, I don't know if you go there, it's so vibrant. I like to go get some, I don't even drink coffee, but I go to the <laughs> coffee shop there, but they have a Caribbean food place, and they have Asian food markets, and I mean, just like very, very interesting yeah. ethnic food. So that's always exciting to me. Yeah. yeah. And um, we put, and we have another project besides Better Block, we have a project called Paint. And I should have written this down before I got started because I can't remember what it stands for. It's an acronym <laughs> like Public Art in, I don't know what the NT stands for. <laughs> public, but it's public art. And yeah. so we work with the neighborhood to find out what kind of public art they want. And we put a mural in um, on Woodlawn and it's a beautiful mural. If you ever go down there, um, take a look at it. It's really nice. Um, we have several um, different art installations throughout um, 
the metro area. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that brings you pride. I think when you look at art in your neighborhood, sometimes people forget about a neighborhood and they think, oh, it's nothing special here. But yeah, yeah. there's something special here. So we did that. And the last year during COVID, we helped to build some park benches, not just benches, tables and benches so that the restaurants could serve outside during COVID right. so that they wouldn't lose all their business. So we put that in the alleys so that they had, um, at, you know, people could come and pick up and then they can go and sit outside and eat. So really, I think that helped some of the businesses. They tell us that it did. So. Yeah. And Metro government actually helped us with that. They helped us um, block off some areas so that people, um, cars wouldn't crash into the, um, <laughs> the tables <laughs> right. and benches. So. <laughs> it's a, it's a and the right and you know they allowed us to put them in the right away. So yeah, it's 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 exciting to participate in this sort of re envisioning of, of public space and 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 taking back our streets to activate them for people for for businesses, small businesses, restaurants, and and places to hang out and public art. I just love it. I'm speaking today with Melanie Long, executive director of the Center for Neighborhoods. You can learn more about their work at centerforneighborhoods.org. Uh, we are going to talk about the Neighborhood Summit coming up on November 6th, but I wanted to sort of lay a little good groundwork about what the center does before, before we dive into some of those details. Um, another thing you all are doing is ethics and diversity, equity, and inclusion training, right? Yes. my Actually, my graduate work was in um, public ethics. Oh. And I also teach that at Cleveland State right now. Um, I'm their ethics person, their expert. So um, I teach it online. But um, we also offer those classes. Um, it's called Third Thursday. So the third Thursday of each month we have a class nice and it's either on, we did um six months of ethics and now we're going to do three or four months i'm not quite sure we have three months planned but i think i have a fourth month of diversity um inclusion and equity diversion equity and inclusion um classes coming up so that'll be really exciting and um and once again you can go to our website <laughs> and find out <laughs> where those are but um, I taught the ethics part. We're having um, guests come in to teach the DEI part. I, but I think I am going to teach the last one. So that'll be exciting. And these are for neighborhood leaders or who, who's the intended audience? It's anyone who might want to come. Um, but actually, my intended audience was planners because we need mm -hmm. continuing education credit. And you can get the continuing education from doing that. And the planners, just one of the... Um, priorities just became DEI. So we always needed ethics credits. We always needed law credits. And now we also need um, DEI credits. Okay. And so, you know, planners need the continued education credits. They can do that. But if you're just interested in it, you know, you can come and, um, you know, it's just it's a good chance to um, to learn some stuff. And then we always leave a lot of time at the end so you could ask questions. And that's ongoing throughout the winter? It is. We are skipping October and November and maybe December because it's Christmas time. Yeah. We are definitely <laughs> starting in January. I have, I have a plan January, February, and March. We were going to do one this month, but I'm t <laughs> when we talk about summit, you'll see it's a whole oh, no. lot of moving parts. <laughs> this is something I always say. I always say also. There's only nine of us, and we do the job of 900 summit stuff, too. So Wow. 
<laughs> wow. There's so much going on. It's amazing. Um, now, I know you also wanted to highlight um, the role with the CDC network. Tell us about that, the CDC network. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. This is something relatively new with us. CDCs are community development corporations. And that not the Center for Disease Control. <laughs> No, not the Center for Disease Control, okay. correct. And, and they are, um, you know, um, nonprofits that are doing development and redevelopment in neighborhoods. Hmm. And so economic development, redevelopment, building, I mean, as you could, we let you self-select if you thought you were a CDC. We didn't put any criteria on the CDC. So we have people who are like child care. Really? Um, yeah, we let them because that I mean, because, you know, we're learning that from the federal government. You can't develop your neighborhood if you don't have a good place for child care. Yeah. Right. So, you know, whatever you whatever nonprofit you have going on, if you want to participate. So other communities and other peer cities like um, St. Louis or Cincinnati or Indianapolis, they have these networks of the CDCs to help each other. And we didn't have one here in Louisville. So we went out and did a lot of research on how other places were doing it. And we brought the CDCs together. And it's just been one of those great things. They're very excited about it. I'm excited about it. Um, we're helping them build capacity. We have trainings. We meet every other month. We do some advocacy. Um, right now, one of the advocacy things we're doing is about the West End Opportunity Partnership, the WEOP. Um, that's the TIF district. Um, and we just want to make sure that they are going to fund the CDCs because that's where the work of the neighborhood gets done. And so we just wanted to bring things to their attention because a lot of people weren't completely thrilled about how it all started, the TIF district started. They thought it's everything right, right. above board and we want them to start thinking about it. So we had we wrote a letter from the, all the CDCs. We also had um, provided them information so they could write their own letter to um, the WEOP board. So we just want them to think about it. And so we do that, you know, we kind of help them come up with advocacy ideas. Um, but things as little as I don't know how to have a bookkeeper for my nonprofit. Right. Because, you know, that's a special niche. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we can help provide them with names for other bookkeepers that other nonprofits are using. And another thing is just for them to talk to each other. Sometimes we think that the um, everything out there, all the... Um, everything we have out there is limited. And so you don't want to tell anybody else about what's out there. We're trying to show them that if they work together, more things can come. Mm. And so, and it's not like we're treating them like they're in kindergarten. We're just <laughs> making them aware of things. Um, you know, one of the examples I like to give is sometimes we have a CDC who built one house on a block and another CDC that built another house across the street on the block, one house a year, let's say. But if they work together, they probably, the two of them together could build three houses in the neighborhood. Mm. So, you know, instead of just one each, but, you know, work together. So that's the kind of thing we're, we're talking about doing. And the big part about this is we're launching a website where it's going to be available to the citizens. It's going to be available to all the CDCs and very importantly to funders so that you can look on this website and see what programs are going on where they're going on, what development is happening, you know, where it is. And so funders can look at that and say, oh, this is an area that we should invest in because look at right. all this that's going on. 
And citizens can say, because sometimes they call us a center for neighborhoods, which kind of cracks me up because they don't really know what we do. But after this, everyone's going to know. What we do. <laughs> and so they're asking questions like, what's going on at the corner of ABC and yeah. 123 avenues? And we'll go, oh, we don't know either. Let us find out. But they can go to the website now and go, oh, this developer is putting in a house there or they're building a CVS there or they're building, you know. They can see from the website. So we're really excited about that. We're going to have our soft launch of the website in December and oh, hope nice. to be fully up sometime in the spring. And people will be able to find that if they go to centerforneighborhoods.org, right? They'll, there'll be a link there to the city. They will, but after the soft launch, it's not there now, but right. yeah, it'll be on our website. Right. We're, we're going to host it until, you know, until the CDC network, which is called the Louisville Community Development Network, oh. LCDN. Until that is self-sufficient, you know, we're housing it and taking care of it. Well, that's so cool. I mean, that transparency, uh, just so you know what's going on in your community, I think is so important. And it, it can be really hard to get information out of the, you know, like we don't know who to ask. Like you say, uh, do we ask the center for neighborhoods? Do we ask the city? Is this some private development I don't know about? So I think that's going to be really valuable for citizens. That, that is really exciting. Um, and when you started talking about a network and on our peer cities, that got me thinking, is the center for neighborhoods, are, are there organizations like that in other cities or is it pretty unique? It is very unique. Wow. Um, as I mentioned in 1972, when we started and we were a design center, there are several design centers across the country. But then when we morphed into the Center for Neighborhoods, um, we kind of became something very unique. Yeah, I mean, I have lived for a long time in three different places. I started my career in um, Florida, then I was in South Carolina, and then in Cleveland, and I haven't seen anything like the Center wow. for Neighborhoods. Wow. Wow. It's a special place, the Center for Neighborhoods, my friends, uh, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with its executive director, Melanie Long. Uh, and we are here to talk about the Center for Neighborhoods Neighborhood Summit. It's their biggest annual event of the year. The theme is healing our communities, working towards positive change. And you can register now. Uh, it's at it's going to be Saturday, November 6th, out at the Louisville Urban League's Sports and Learning Campus at 3000 West Market. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that place first, and then we can dive into what's going to go on there? Have you been there? No, I did, I'm it's, excited to. <laughs> I can't believe we have that right here in Louisville. It's so... <laughs> it's, it's like, a, and it is, it's a professional racetrack. It's very nice. But they also have space for us to do. They have meeting spaces and other people besides us can rent it out. So, um, I mean, it's a, a, it's a very nice space. Um, it's huge. And so we're, we're glad that we're going to be able to use that space. Um, the Urban League was very, not, well, you know, very nice to let us rent it out. And um, so we're going to have it there. And the reason that we're, another reason we're very happy to have it there is, it's located right there in the West End. So the people that we really want to be able to get to the summit can get to the summit. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's on a, you know, it's on a park line. Yep. So, you know, people can take the bus there. So it's, it's just readily available. And it's a day-long conference. There are meals. It's not free, but are, there are some scholarships available, right? There are scholarships available. So if you're interested in a scholarship, you write to summit, S-U-M-M-I-T, at um, centerfornneighborhoods.org. 
And it's, uh, I think, a six-question um, application. And, you know, if you pass the application, then you get it. <laughs> the, we're very um, happy that the Metro government supplied um, 15 of the council people supplied 10 um, scholarships. Oh, nice. So we have, yeah, yeah, so we have 150 scholarships. Well, it, it's a it's a really great event that showcases uh, community building successes, right, uh, and stories from across our community uh, and development that's happening that that we can plug into, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, it's not just uh, it's not just sitting around and hearing people talk, though, right? There's some interactive elements to this. There are interactive uh, one of the um, most popular interactive elements is the mapping class and you go in there and um, our mapping person shows you how to um, how to use our mapping um, portal. It's called neighbor maps and you can go in there and you can make maps for um, you know for your particular you can map I mean you can get a map for your neighborhood find out what's going on in your neighborhood that's I mean that's always a good class and cool. one of the things that she's going to be showing also is we're going to have um an app for your phone where let's say one of the things that we wanted to do was find out where all the murals for Brianna. And um, so you can just, you can help us do that by clicking on your app, taking a picture of it and it'll, it'll put the location on it. And we oh, can wow. do that. so that's one of the things that she's training for also. Oh, cool. Wow. Uh, there's also networking opportunities to meet uh, your neighbors and like-minded community members, right? Um, so if you know I'm an introvert, so uh, I might not feel comfortable. How do you make it easy for us? Well, one of the things we do is we won't let you sit with who you want to sit with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody's coming now. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we mix up the name tags, and, and so you'll be sitting with someone different in the uh, morning and then in the afternoon. And also, we have a few little games um, that we'll play that to help people um, talk to the people at their table, at yeah. least. And so that's a networking opportunity. And there's networking time, because um, before we get started, there's networking time. Between all the events, we have um, about 15 minutes where you can talk and get to know people. So, yeah. Um, bring your cards if you have them. If you don't, we have scrap paper for you to write your information there on. You go. So um, don't be intimidated by not having a business card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of ways to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, there will be some uh, awesome keynotes, though. And, and this year's keynote speaker is T. Gonzalez, uh, director of the Center for Health Equity, which is a, a Louisville Metro Department. Uh, in public health and wellness, and they they do some amazing work. If people don't know about Center for Health and Wellness, uh, Center for Health Equity, I mean, um, you got to check them out. So tell us about T and what we're going to learn. Well, it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that he is nationally known. I mean, sometimes you forget about the people who are local. Right. So, you know, T's right here, but he's very, I mean, I was going to say internationally known. He might be, but I don't know that for sure. I do know that he's a national, nationally known speaker um, on the topic of health equity. And I cannot remember the numbers exactly, but I think this is the number. That um, the number of people who, the number of Black people who got COVID is like doubled our representation in the percentage. 
So let's say we're 11% of the population. 22% of the people who get COVID are African-American. Wow. So, wow. Um, but he will be able to tell you the exact <laughs> percentages, not, <laughs> not the one that I'm kind of fudging on because I can't remember, but I do think it's something close to that. Um, and he can tell you how that impacts us. I mean, that's a big impact. More of us are getting COVID. But it, I mean, it happens in small ways too, that when our health isn't, um, we don't get the same health care oftentimes because, you know, we talk about food deserts all the time and that changes our health, but there's also medical deserts. Like there are places where there's no emergency rooms and no, you know, so if yeah. you're sick, it takes longer for you to get to an emergency room than other places. So he, I, I don't think I don't know what he's talking about. I shouldn't say that because I told him it was, you know, open if he just talked about the topic. But since our topic is healing our communities and working toward positive change, I'm sure he's going to talk about some of those things. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's all kinds. And so um, he's our main. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's all kinds of healing that y'all are going to be talking about. Um, certainly healing from COVID and, and, and health inequities and those kinds of things, but also social healing. I mean, there's so much healing that needs to happen in our community. 2020 certainly taught us that, right? <laughs> You're absolutely right. So we're talking about how to even something as simple as have um, positive communication with your neighbors um, that's impactful. Right. So how do you, you know, how, you know, if somebody, um, you know, if your next neighbor's tree is, you know, dropping leaves on, your, you know, in your yard, do you just want to <laughs> yell at them or do you just want to rake up the leaves yourself? Or I mean, you know, what do you want to do or how do you talk to them about it? You know, sometimes um, I bring that up because at my house, when I had, when I lived in South Carolina, my neighbor's tree, did just, you know, all this time of year, all the leaves would fall off into my yard. And I just was, I would rake them up and I would never say anything to her, but I would always be mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so a better way. Of, yeah. Instead of being a manager neighbor over something so insignificant, you can, <laughs> um, you know, learn how to talk to your neighbors. So that's one of the topics. Oh gosh. We have so many, um, goal planning for success. Ooh. So I think that that's, you know, moving for positive change, um, create an inclusive space. So what does that mean? Mm. It can mean a lot of things, but we need to make sure that we have a space where everybody feels welcome. So we have 11 workshops. I'm sure you can find more than one. Actually, I think you're going to have a problem because you, you only get to choose two. Oh. And it's going to be hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many people come to this yeah. thing usually? We usually have about 200, so we're hoping wow. last year, yeah, last year when we did it virtually, we had about 70. And so, I mean, you know, it was, we ex didn't expect 200, but, you know, we were like sad, but it was just hard to get people excited about doing things yeah. virtually. So this year, we, we kept saying, okay, we're going to try and do it in person. So we kept planning for it to be in person. And so we said by October 15th, we were going to decide. And actually, since the numbers have leveled out for COVID, and we're having a COVID safe event. You have to wear your mask, um, you know, and, and we're doing social distancing in all the rooms. Um, and so um, we think we're going to provide a safe environment. Yeah. And um, and so I just think people are more ready to go someplace and learn instead of, I am so tired of looking at Zoom. I know. <laughs> 
That's why I was hoping to get you in person today in the studio, but I'm glad I've gotten you in the virtual studio anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, Now, there will also be some awards given out at the summit. Tell me about that. Well, every year we give out five awards and we give out award for the best neighbor, the best um, community organization. We also, this year we're getting a new award. So this is the first year. It's um, a technology and innovation award. Oh, wow. Someone who has been very, um, who had been very influential in technology and innovation for our little nonprofit. You know, you never have enough people, enough expertise. And he helped us with all of our networking and stuff. And he passed away like about two months ago. So we're naming the, um, that new award, the, the Josh Puckett, he'll be the first winner of the Josh Puckett um, oh. Award for Innovation and Technology. So That's we're excited cool. about that. And I'm mean, sad and excited, but um, yeah, he was always great. And But we were thinking as we were trying to figure out how we could honor him at the event, we were thinking that technology and innovation is something that we should award. And so, you know, from now on, we'll have that space for somebody who's doing cool technology and innovation. We even have a, um, an award for the public servant who's doing, the, you know, doing a lot. So um, I can't tell you who won. No, but you got to come. You got to come. Yeah, you got to come. Sometimes they're council people. Sometimes they're actually people who work for the government. Um, you know, people who are doing things that are um, significant for um, the community. Yeah. And yeah, lots of public servants uh, out there that we don't recognize there behind the scenes. You know, you, you think about the politicians, but there's so many other people involved. That's that's cool. And so uh, in our last five minutes here, let's talk about again, like who who do you think should come to the summit? Uh, is it for everybody? It's for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> really, it is for everybody. And I'm glad you brought that up because we have child care. So oh, don't think that's a, yeah, don't think that's a reason why you can't come. Come on and bring it's free child care. So if you come and you pay to come, then your child gets to have fun. And um, I don't know if you know about Play Cousins Collective. Yes. They are so cool. They are so cool. And um, they're doing the child care for us. And and the um, sports and learning complex has a room that's just made for child care. Oh it has God. a bowling alley. <gasps> and you can I know you. It's rock climbing. It is the nicest what? room. I was like, "Can I hang out in the kids' room?" So, um, your kids will have a good time, and um, yeah, and so it's open. We really want people to feel like they can come. There, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to come. And of course, the sports and learning complex is very ADA accessible. So. Don't worry about that. You know, we can get you in there. You can get to all the rooms and everything. So, I, you know, it's open to everyone. You have no reason not to come and you will learn so much. It'll be a great day, you know. And as Justin said, we you'll get breakfast, you'll get lunch, you'll learn a lot. We have door prizes that what? are great. Yes, and door prizes. Door prizes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this is a day full of fun, I'm telling you. <laughs> You, get, you bring your kids. They're going to go rock climbing. You're going to get a door prize. You're going to get two great meals. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be inspiring, too, as well. It is very inspiring. You will really you will learn a lot. Um, we get such good feedback. Um, we always do an evaluation after, you know, we try and get feedback. And as a professor, um, you know, how the students have to give you evaluations. And right. I always have found that 
the people who want to evaluate you are the people who have some <laughs> gripe against you. Yeah. But <laughs> that is not what we find with the with the summit. We get a lot of good evaluations. People are happy and you know, they say they want to come back. And oh, that's wow. one thing. There's a discount if this, you know, if you've been to the summit before, you get five dollars off. So. Oh really? <laughs> oh wow. All right. Yes. Returning customers are extra Returning welcome. <laughs> So check it out. The Neighborhood Summit, Healing Our Communities, Working Toward Positive Change, coming up Saturday, November 6th at the Louisville Urban Leagues. Brand new, amazing. If you haven't been there, check it out. Sports and Learning Campus there at 3000 West Market Street. Do people need to register in advance, or can you show up day of? You can show up day of, but it's better if you register in advance. It helps us out. a cool little name tag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And there are scholarships available if you cannot afford the ticket price. uh, And you can email summit at centerforneighborhoods.org if you're interested in pursuing one of those scholarships. Otherwise, everybody can go to centerforneighborhoods.org to purchase your tickets now. Uh, We really encourage you to... Come on out, meet your neighbors, get a little uh, inspiration, get a little training, uh, words of wisdom, uh, and get connected with the Center for Neighborhoods because they do some really awesome work. Uh, We're about out of time, but I know there was one thing that you wanted to mention, and I I put it last because it seems so fun. Winter Wonderland. What is that? (laughs) Tell me about that. Actually, you know, that's actually not a Center for Neighborhoods thing, but I am helping with it. So it is Shawnee Park, December 11th and 12th. And it's going to be a light festival with snacks and fun and singing. So you will drive through and you'll see all these winter wonderland things. And so it's going to be beautiful. We're actually going to have buses that if you can get to one of the churches on Broadway or Algonquin or we'll have maps on the website. But, um, you know, one of those, if you can walk to one of those churches, you can get on a bus and you can ride through. So we're going to head and all that kind of stuff. And it's just going to be beautiful. I think the number is 100,000 lights we're going to Whoa. have. <laughs> wow. And is this open starting like Thanksgiving week, that kind of thing? No, it's, op- it's only open two days, December oh. 11th and 12th. Oh, wow. December 11th and 12th. So, you know. All right. Mark your calendars. Get that's right it's gonna be from 5 p.m to 9 p.m on those two days oh cool okay well i'm glad i asked you about that special event coming up in december uh and wow thank you melanie long for taking the time to join me today and telling us all about the center for neighborhoods and the neighborhood summit coming up i hope we've inspired some listeners to take part on november 6th i hope so too i hope to see all of you there it'll be a great time All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas about things happening right now this week that you can get engaged in for sustainability. So stay tuned, my friends.
Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, on your community radio station, Forward Radio WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting to you from the historic Abern Building here at 106.5 FM. And I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and are ready to take action for sustainability this week. Well, UofL holds an annual sustainability week, and it is going on right now, and all the events are open to the public. It's a full week of events to celebrate, raise awareness, and engage your passion for environmental, social, and economic justice. You can learn all about this at louisville.edu slash sustainability. You'll see all the events there. On Wednesday, uh, October 27th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the main quad there between Humanities and Ekstrom Library, it'll be our 14th annual Campus Sustainability Day Fair with both campus and community groups engaged in sustainability. A great way to breeze through and learn what's going on in the community for sustainability. On Thursday, the 28th, there'll be a bunch of events. Uh, and there'll be a Tree Talks Eco Poetry Experiment at 1230. Uh, we're going to walk around campus for an hour and a half and interview the trees on campus. It's going to be so cool and unusual. Join us in front of the Ekstrom Library there on 3rd Street on the West Lawn uh, at the Ginkgo Tree there on 3rd Street. Uh, and then at 2.30 uh, p.m. we're going to be having a, uh, a virtual roundtable on sustainable transportation in our city.
city, building a human scale campus and streets with local experts and folks from U of L Thursday the 28th at 2.30 p.m. You can register for that Zoom at louisville.edu slash sustainability. And then on Friday, it is U of L Arbor Day, and we're going to be doing tree plantings at the Health Science Center there on Preston and Abraham Flexner Way at 10 a.m. At 1 p.m., we'll be gathering at the Garden Commons uh, near Strickler Hall for a tree planting and workshop on how to plant trees. And at noon, everyone can join us virtually or in person in Extram Library for the EcoReps workshop on the Green Heart Project, sponsored by U of L. So you can learn all about this at louisville.edu slash sustainability. A great week to come on out to campus. Also on Tuesday, the 26th, I want to let you know that there is a Creating a Blueprint for a Better Future UN Day and UN Human Rights Day program on anti-human trafficking and sexual exploitation. It's a conference that happens every year. There'll also be information about clean water and sanitation. The United Nations Association of the USA Kentucky Division invites you to this year's conference virtually on Tuesday the 26th. It starts at 10.15 a.m. and runs through 3.30 p.m. You can stop in anytime. There'll be a noon uh, 11 a.m. keynote by Dawn Hawkins, Senior Vice President and Executive Director of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation on ending sexual exploitation while targeting companies and perpetrators. Uh, at 12.20 p.m. there'll be another keynote from uh, Patrina Mosley, a Master's in Public Policy and Deputy Director of Legislative Policy National Center on Sexual Exploitation, talking about up holding justice and combating sex trafficking and pornography. Uh, at 1.20 p.m., the keynote will be from Kristen Jensen, uh, an author and CEO of Defend Young Minds, on how porn refusal skills protect kids from sexual exploitation. And at 2.30 p.m., Tina Halbig uh, from Floyd's Fork Environmental Association, author and researcher, will be speaking on forever chemicals, PFAS, and exposure of a massive public health threat. You can find Find more information at facebook.com slash Floyd's Fork EA to register for the Tuesday, October 26th uh, online conference. Now, also coming up this week on Thursday, the 28th at 6 p.m. online, the Kentucky Solar Energy Society is having a webinar on giving us an update on net metering in Kentucky. It'll be a review of the Kentucky Public Service Commission's order adopting new net metering rates for LGE and Kentucky utilities. The presenters will be the amazing Tom Fitzgerald from the Kentucky Resources Council, Joshua Bills from Mountain Association, Andy McDonald, uh, Apogee Climate and Energy Transition and Kentucky Solar Energy Society. On September 24th, the Kentucky Public Service Commission issued this order setting new net metering rates for lg and and KU. In its order, the PSC has again recognized the value of local customer-owned renewable energy. The order rejected lg and e and KU's proposal to drastically reduce the value of solar energy reported back to the utility, which would have ended net metering and slashed the value of feedback solar power by 75% to just 2.3 cents per kilowatt hour. Instead, the commission set the new compensation rate for net metering uh, at 6.9 cents per kilowatt hour for LG&E and 7.4 cents per kilowatt hour for KU customers. This ruling builds on a previous decision issued in May in the Kentucky Power Company rate case that reinforces the precedent set in that case. The commission reaffirmed the principles and best practices to be used by 
utilities for determining the value of distributed energy resources, such as rooftop solar. The commission identified multiple ways in which distributed solar resources help the utilities avoid costs and directed these is that these savings be credited to customers for the excess energy they supply to the grid. You can find the link to learn more and register for the Thursday 6 p.m. webinar about this at kyses.org. It's Kentucky Solar Energy Society. Go to kyses.org. Now, also Thursday at 7 p.m., there'll be a public meeting about the I-65 Brook Street Ramp Improvement Project. Louisville Metro and Kentucky Transportation Cabinet will conduct an online public meeting about this I-65 Brook Street Ramp Improvement Project on Thursday at 7 p.m. And it can be accessed at louisvilleky.gov. You can search for it at I-65 South Jefferson Brook Street Ramp. Uh, three alternatives will be discussed at the public meeting. These alternatives include terminating the ramp without a five-point intersection at the intersection of East Jefferson Street and South Brook Street, terminating the ramp with a traditional four-point intersection at East Liberty and South Brook, and a no-bill keep-it-as-is alternative. You can uh, see more and learn more at louisvilleky.gov. And if you have any questions or concerns, get in touch with Dirk Gowan, 502-574-59. 925 or dirk.gowin at louisvilleky.gov. Now, there's a couple of farmers markets coming up on Saturday that I really want to highlight. I'll remind you one last time about what you learned about way back in August when we had uh, Letitia on the show about the Shively Farmers and Artisans Market. The last market of the year is this Saturday, October 30th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Shively City Hall and Library there at 3920 Dixie Highway. And you can find them on Instagram at Facebook. Look for Shively Farmers Market. KY, but also a very special market is happening this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Opportunity Corner at 636 South 18th Street, right at Magazine. It's the Good Food Black Farmers Market. Louisville Urban League and Good Food are joining to promote food justice through a black farmers market. This is an opportunity to eat local, learn about healthy food options, and support black-owned businesses. You'll want to check it out this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m at 18th and magazine also on saturday the 30th there's going to be a free tree giveaway for all louisville residents you won't want to miss it out at shawnee park it's 9 a.m to noon no tricks only treats this october on october 30th trees louisville will be at shawnee park handing out 400 trees to all louisville residents the trees come in one gallon pots for easy transplanting and are available first come first served with a limit of two trees per person you can follow trees louisville at facebook.com slash trees louisville to learn more again it is 9 a.m to noon out at saturday while on saturday out at shawnee park 4501 west broadway wall supplies last and the species are so cool these are great trees to plant my friend black walnut they'll have schumard oak willow oak burr oak and shellbark hickory you won't want to miss it this saturday 9 a.m out at shawnee park from trees louisville also on saturday the 
30th in the afternoon. It's a Before You Buy workshop from the Louisville Climate Action Network. The topic this Saturday at 1 p.m. is warmer home, cooler climate, consumer tips for replacing your heating system. Suitable for small business owners as well. Presented by the amazing Sarah Lynn Cunningham with the Louisville Climate Action Network. It's going to be at the Highlands Shelby Park Library in Mid-City Mall. They're at 1250 Bardstown Road from 1 to 2.30 p.m. this Saturday the 30th. You can learn more and register at louisvillecan.org. That's louisvillecan.org. And lastly, I want to remind you, friends, about the community tree plantings with the Metro Division of Community Forestry. Yes, my friends, this week you can help reforest our downtown urban core right here next to us here at Forward Radio. Uh, We would love to have you come downtown and help us reforest our streets. Louisville Parks and Recreation is seeking volunteers to help with these fall plantings of street trees in our urban core. No experience is necessary. Tools, gloves, and instruction will be provided. And this year they're focusing on the downtown central business district because it is one of the worst heat islands in Louisville. There are many plantings happening throughout November 7th, but what you need to know about this week is the plantings happening on Monday the 1st at 10 a.m. to noon and then Tuesday the 2nd again 10 a.m. to noon and again they continue through Sunday November 7th. So you'll need to register for these volunteer opportunities in order to be sent the specific downtown location and you can do so using the Better Impact app and find the link to register at facebook.com slash Forestry. L-O-U Urban Forestry. And for any questions, you can contact Sarah Flarsheim. She's at S-A-R-A-H dot F-L-A-R-S-E-H-E-I-M at LouisvilleKY.gov or give her a call or a text at 502-901-8191. And I hope to see you, my friends, out on the streets of our urban core reforesting Louisville. We would love your help with that. Well, that's it, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time. Be well. Thank you.